Hello and welcome to Is Made as a Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Omar Lopez, and I'm joined with someone who's been asleep for 79 years. Josh Hemo. You might not tell from the multiple bags under my eyes or the dark circles, but yeah, 79 years sounds about right. I've actually been looking for a, a like a cream for your under eyes. Not yours specifically, but <laughs> I meant mine in I, general. I have one. I've tried it. It just doesn't do anything. I think I'm just destined for a... <laughs> sleep that's that good old sleep deprived look for the rest of my life so if you guys have any suggestions please send them <laughs> um but anyways when we're not talking about our <laughs> our faces sagging to hell <laughs> um this is our podcast where we watch a spongebob episode and discuss little life lessons that we learn from our yellow spongy friend and all his aquatic buddies every week we'd like to give you some donation links um this week i feel it's pretty straightforward for me um josh i don't know if you have something similar but I'm just going to put a bunch of mutual aid groups for Texas. A lot of you know by now that Texas did not handle their recent snowstorm pretty well. And if this is in the future, hopefully by then, Texas has kind of gotten their together. Um, But until then, these are some mutual aid groups that can hopefully help out those people who still need some help after the storm, kind of took away power and water pipes bursting, lots and lots of snow-related cold weather nonsense that they weren't prepared for yeah which unfortunately for the people of texas they kind of had to deal with yeah so i'm just gonna put a bunch of mutual aid groups for me i don't know if you have something similar josh i didn't um because i figured one of us would do it but i wanted mm-hmm. to i had already started the uh the black history month thing from our last um podcast so i wanted to finish it up the last week of February with the uh, Black Lives Matter Tucson, and they're specifically working towards a, a COVID relief fund right now. Um, a lot of people, especially in Arizona, have been hit really hard with COVID, as a lot of our friends back in Arizona know. It's been mm-hmm. top of the list multiple times during this last year, which is insane. In the worst way. Insane. Uh, but this is specifically to help uh, Black members in the community uh, who really need help. So if you're willing to donate, uh, go ahead and take a look at them. And they're also doing everything else that the Black Lives Matter movement is uh, known for, especially with trying to uh, defund law enforcement and stuff within Tucson itself. So donate if you can and check them out. Awesome. So this week we're watching Season 5, Episode 17, 20,000 Patties Under the Sea and The Battle of Bikini Bottom. Act 1, 20,000 Patties Under the Sea. In this act, while jellyfishing, Spongebob and Patrick stumble upon a UFO, which is basically just a submarine underwater. And meanwhile, at the Krusty Krabs, Mr. Krabs is like, hey, I don't have any customers. Squidward, do you have any ideas? And on his own, wink, wink, Mr. Krabs comes up with the idea of taking the Krusty Krab to his customers. And almost like it was written into a show, the submarine smashes in through the Krusty Krab and SpongeBob and Patrick are tasked with selling patties around Bikini Bottom in their food truck-esque submarine. Plankton gets jealous and decides to chase them with his own kind of food truck. They get into some shenanigans and um, randomly start feeding food to a sea monster. So to start us off, Josh, I want to ask you, Mm -hmm. did you notice that SpongeBob had new jellyfishing glasses? I didn't, know. I didn't catch that. I was very put off because we first saw SpongeBob when he's used the jellyfishing protection mm. as like these nice, really square, like geeky glasses. Yeah. And they rounded them out. They made the bottoms round and they gave them like this little, I don't know what you call them, like the little silver parts at the, at the top. Right. And let me tell you, there's a lot of things I've noticed. And later on, I'll mention one uh, when, when they're selling patties that I was like, this just doesn't feel right. It's a small couple of drawings. Um, and it just it just threw me off. So something to look for. I was a little bit disappointed that they changed the original style. This is, like you mentioned, there is a lot that I felt was just, I know we mentioned things being off, but like this was off in that like uncanny way, right? There's yeah. just like small little things that just messed with like the universe a little bit, in my opinion, that was like, this is, this doesn't make sense. Like, bringing up like the very beginning of the episode, like instead of catching the jellyfish, like we know that 
SpongeBob and Patrick are probably the closest thing to professional jellyfishers there are in Bikini mm-hmm. Bottom, right? They like are terrified of this single jellyfish and they run away. And that's like the inciting action of how they find the submarine. But I just thought it was surprising to me that they like decided to run away instead of catching. You know, it was just again one of those things. I'm just like, this seems odd. You know, this just feels off. Yeah, like I feel like there's so many other ways they could have found the UFO, quote unquote. Yeah, or like while maybe while they were jellyfishing, they trip over it, right? Why is it yeah. they're again they're running away from this thing that canonically we know that they catch all the time, right? Yeah. Um, another thing that uh I actually stumbled upon because I was going through the wiki for um some other reason, and I saw that they actually reuse part of an old SpongeBob episode as the first like you know where you watch like At the, the jellyfish like yeah, that's actually an older like version that they stole from another episode. And you can kind of really tell the animation difference. I was, yeah, it makes a lot of sense now. I thought I was imagining it, but I'm glad that you brought it up. Because I thought... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do think it's interesting because like, you don't really feel it season to season, um, like the change in art style. But yeah. when you put them back to back, it's a couple, like a little, like I would say like five seconds, maybe um, even less of, of the old animation. And it's just interesting to kind of see them side by side. But yeah, I, I wouldn't have known that without looking at the, the wiki. It was like, yeah, they reused this part. And I was like, huh, I was wondering why that part looked a, a little bit weird. I wonder if that was intentional or if they were just lazy. I hope it was intentional. I This is how I feel like it went. I think they had the episode the way they did. And then they were like, oh, it's kind of weird to just start them off with like the first actual like frame that they use yeah and they put that in as like a transition or maybe they had to pad the time or something <laughs> i could easily see like tv people being like eh, this feels weird we'll just use a couple of these frames to just establish From an older episode yeah yeah um another weird thing that was happening um is they see squidward sunbathing it's like the distance between squidward's house and jellyfish fields because they're in jellyfish fields they trip over the submarine they find the submarine they once they trip over the submarine they look and they're like oh look there's something weird out there and then it's squidward sunbathing but he's by his house if i remember right yeah and i was like jellyfish fields isn't that close to spongebob's house and squidward's house and then also squidward they like literally just like uh you know hop to the next scene like most like cartoons and sitcoms do and Squidward's there at work. I was like, is he sunbathing or is he at work? I fully expected I was so him mad to be about it. buried in the underneath all that sand after digging all that up. I thought it was going to be a gag 100% when they brought it up, but they didn't do it. And I was surprised by that. And another like odd thing too, like talking about inconsistencies is like we've seen Squidward sunbathing all the time. Like it's been multiple times that we've seen it happen. And his sunglasses and like the little reflector thing he uses for through uh, sunbathing are different in this episode too. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was, again, like, again, these weird inconsistencies in this specific episode are just, like, really threw me off. And it's not like Josh and I fear change. I don't think that's what it is. I literally think it's just, like, the style looks so different than what you've established. And, like, we've seen Squidward sunbathe a lot. Yeah. So, like, keep it consistent. And, like, you can update it, but, like, keep it consistent is how I felt. And, like, this whole act feels really weird because it felt really long. Yeah. But... I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't. That long. No, it wasn't yeah. that long, you know. But, you know, in comparison, and I'll get to it when we talk about Act Two, Act Two for me felt super short, but mm-hmm. they were both about the same amount of time. And that's what was, I guess was super interesting. And I don't know if it was like this one's just very more engaging in some way, but it, it was just odd. And it had that kind of similar vibe to uh, one of the earlier episodes we had where it felt like it could have ended on multiple times and just kept going, right? And that's, that's another thing that I thought was weird with this one. Yeah. Um. So before we get too far from the beginning, I do want to say that one of my small lessons is practice good walkie etiquette. You know, establish a form of communication with your friends. You don't have to use the film set lingo, but, or I don't know if, I don't know the trucker lingo, so maybe you use <laughs> that, but something like that. And yeah. then, of course, good word sunbathing, wear some sunscreen. Yeah, that's good. Um. I do like in the Krusty Krab how Squidward like gives the idea to Mr. Krabs and he completely blows it off. And then Squidward's just like, la, 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 la. And then like Mr. Krabs like, exactly. <laughs> and he like just keeps going um, talking. I love that part. I laugh so much at that part. Like out of everything in this episode, I thought that was one of the funniest things just because like that 
I don't know. I mean, I think everyone's kind of felt like that before where you're kind of talking to someone and then all of a sudden, like, they say something and you're just like, I guess I'm just here. And, like, just, you know, yeah. like, the whole la la la. I was like, yeah, that's definitely felt that way before. So it's just, it was funny in that. I feel, I feel responsible for that sometimes. Just like my ADHD brain will sometimes <laughs> be like, oh, someone's talking. And then it's like, this is the perfect time to think about everything else except for this person. <laughs> and then I come back to it and I'm like, oh, <laughs> what did they say? Um, but we get the really famous line that I've seen um, oh, yeah. uh, online a bunch where he's like, bye Squidward, and, and bye Mr. Krabs, bye Squidward. And he's like, you said bye Squidward twice. And he's like, I really like Squidward. Yeah, I didn't know that it was this, um, like at season five, I thought that was like a later season thing because I had seen that before. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of weird to see it in context now. I, I guess... Watching it because I first saw it on like a TikTok or something, and I guess watching mm-hmm. it now, I'm just like, it, it's kind of stranger than what I even thought it was. I don't know. Yeah, it felt it did feel more sensual. Yeah, I guess if that makes sense. Like I said, a lot of weird vibes in this act. I was yeah. really thrown off by it. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you if you knew because it seems like a huge trope, and they bring it up in the beginning, like when they're doing the manual labor, and they're like, you know, a little manual labor, put some hair on your chest. But why is that a thing? Why is like getting hair and chest like a thing associated with manual labor or like hot sauce is another one? Like any kind of like difficult activity that you do, like it's always like, oh, that'll put some hair on your chest. Because that's what men do. Is that what it is? <laughs> I don't know. Like yeah. it's got to be some testosterone based puberty thing. Yeah. I'm not a very hairy man. I don't have a very hairy chest. So I don't know. Maybe I haven't done enough manual labor. <laughs> I've done barely any manual labor and I have a lot of hair on my chest. Well, I guess Our not a lot. Sasquatch titties <laughs> over here. <laughs> Sasquatch titties. <laughs> oh, speaking of titties. Uh, I promise you, this is... So, SpongeBob and Patrick um, are in their little food truck, uh, food truck submarine situation. And they run into the guy from the chocolate episode yeah. that cons them. Um, but what really threw me off is the fish that he's with. So he's with a female fish and she has boobs and not like little bumps, like boobs. Like she thick. She's a busty <laughs> fish. Busty. And I don't know if it's because we took like, I had to take, we took two weeks off for, because uh, it was busy, busy weeks. But I don't know if it's coming back to it or what. But I was like, why does this fish have boobs? <laughs> it was like, it really threw me off. Uh, out of that situation because in act two they're in the mall and there's two fishes in bikinis they do not have boobs yeah other fishes in the entire like episodes little small like mosquito bite boobs but like very like typical for cartoons where it's like yes this is is a female fish because they have boobs like that's the only way i can if they have big eyelashes and they boobs they're 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 girls that's like basically how animators when i think about it we really haven't had any kind of busty characters in spongebob at all yeah, and I'm not that saying I we need them. No, no, no. I'm not but I we think don't it's, a, it's an interesting choice to have as like a not, a, I guess, a throwaway character. Like in, they call them incidentals a lot. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think it's just so interesting. Maybe because it's like a maybe it's like a trophy wife situation because this guy's like a business person, right? Yeah, I could see that. Like I'm literally gonna I'm gonna send you a screenshot <laughs> of this of this thing. Hold on. I wonder if I they could... name her. Oh, <laughs> you're right. I didn't. Super catch that. Maybe I'm just a pervert. Maybe I'm no, just a I pervert. No, I was really distracted. I was distracted because I was like trying to figure out if this guy was the guy from the chocolate episode, but it definitely was. But yeah, no, she is. She busty. Damn. <laughs> I, again, I, I just. Not it's funny because to... like other female fish in SpongeBob are a little you. more curvy, right? They are a little thicker, like I've seen before. But this is like, she's kind of just like a stick too it's just like a stick yeah. with like big boobs i'm like this is a weird character choice for the, all the female fish we've ever seen in the series yeah it's just it's really off because most of the female fish like they're either just like flat like every other like fish yeah or like maybe they're like a little bit more round like in general like yeah. their whole body shape is round but this fish is very much like Whoa. straight up and <laughs> down a stick and like two boobs again i i, I just it, I'm not against it. I'm not for it. It just really it's just weird, different. Yeah, it's weird. Like I said, there's just weird things in this act that completely threw me. <laughs> off. 
You know, when, um, you, when you talk about it too, the sea monster kind of has some titties too when you look at it. Yeah. So, but like that makes sense. It's like a big it's sea guy, monster yeah. with like a, a bumpy, lumpy sea monster, huh. you know? <laughs> um, so how do you feel about uh, the sea monster in general? I was a little bit, I don't know. I was, I liked I was a, it. I was a little disappointed, it was just so random. if I'm honest. Because, I mean, I think when I think of sea monsters in SpongeBob, I'm so attached to the sea monsters from the movie mm-hmm. that I was kind of expecting something like that. And this guy, and then to kind of live up to it really much. He wasn't, there's nothing really that sea monster about him other than he was like big, right? Or he ate yeah. a lot of things. Other than that, I was just like, it's just like some random, they could have done this with any kind of random character, right? Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of random characters, I also saw Jack M. Crazy Fish. Yeah, little cameo. Um, yeah, he had a cameo. But I really love Plankton's whole interaction with the kid. I don't really like the, the fat phobia the entire, that the he entire drops. family that he yeah. throws at this. The shade he throws at this family is incredible. I put um, as my small lessons is try to have some like roasts ready at all times because mm-hmm. like you never know when someone's going to say something smart you got to be able to like reply back but it's like another famous line where it says someone should put you in a box floating down the river river grandma, grandma. <laughs> and then she's like you're right you're probably <laughs> she's so right. like um damn yeah that was that was crazy though he's like going in on this family i was like damn plankton which is i've seen this also i've seen this uh clip before too so I was like, these are two kind of popular clips that I've been kind of circulating around lately that have just popped up in this one episode. I was surprised. Again, we run into it before where people, it seems like people watching the same kind of schedule that we end up watching in for whatever reason. Yeah. So, um, And we've talked about it that it's weird that a lot of the older episodes aren't very quotable. Yeah. But this one's the opposite. I feel like this episode is very quotable, but not very memorable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which... to be honest, like, I just watched it like two hours ago, three hours ago, and I like it, there's not a lot of moments in this. Where I'm like, oh yeah, this I'm gonna remember this forever, right? Yeah. Um, but there was one big thing that I did remember that it was like the the la squid or the la squid thing. So it was <laughs> when the chum when a uh, plankton submarine food truck thing blows up, it drops chum everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Which it's interesting to see the actual contents of chum for the, like the first time because we always see chum like mushed up but this is like the yeah it's kind of like ground beef when whenever it's yeah in the early episodes but this is like actual body part or like actual like yeah like actual body parts and stuff like that like i don't know whatever ended up on that burger will kind of look like a like a bladder or something like that it <laughs> like was a stomach or something yeah weird i was thing. like this is weird but they're like it's not a liquid or a solid it's a la squid which again it's just like such random in this episode <laughs> Um, also, what I thought was really random was the numbers in this mm. like thing. They're like, I've been asleep for 79 years, the sewage spill in 76, 640 burgers, and then 37,000 pounds of decorative sea, deep sea rocks. I just, for some reason, weird to me. There's got to be a code there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I've been watching too many like Five Nights at Freddy's fan theory stuff lately, but there's so much code in that and lore that I maybe I'm just <laughs> falling into this, but like maybe that's it. There's if you decode all these numbers and stuff, because even the episode itself is like two or twenty thousand patties under the sea, which is a reference to like the famous story or whatever. But still, yeah. a lot of numbers and stuff. It must maybe mean something. Someone needs to read, uh, read yarn that <laughs> all you code breakers like... out there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so do you have any other small lessons before we uh, hop to the bubble break? Yeah, um, I got the, wasn't a ton for this one, um, which seems to be a theme for this season. There's not a lot of small lessons for these episodes, especially these kind of like weird ones, mm-hmm. um, but support food trucks. I know it's a lot of times it's kind of easy to be like, drive by a food truck and be like, eh, I'll go to a restaurant instead. But I think some of the best food I've ever had has been from food trucks. Oh yeah. Like, shout out to Bam Bam Food Truck, where the hell you're at now, lost in the yeah. ether. I think it. I think it died. I think it died a long time I think ago. It went out I, of business. I still dream of those noodles. So. Yeah, they were really good. <laughs> I'm they not even. Like... I'm not even gonna bother to explain what it was, but <laughs> just imagine some of the best food you've ever had in your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, kind of allies come in all shapes and sizes. Like they were scared of that food, uh, that big uh, abyss monster, but he ended up being a good guy and just wanted food, and they made a ton of money, even though they didn't bring any of that money back to the Krusty Krab. Yeah, but that's that's Sponge, that's Mr. Krabs' problem. Yeah. Time for the bubble break. Bubble break. Woo. Okay. 
So for this bubble break, uh, we kind of mentioned it at the end of last act, but I want to know your thoughts, Josh. Mm -hmm. Restaurant versus food truck. How do you feel? Like, do you have a preference? Um, Do you have favorites? We kind of talked about Bam Bam food truck, Mm -hmm. which we can go into more detail now if we really want to. Yeah, yeah. We can't. Uh, Bam Bam food truck was a uh, food truck in Tucson when we were in college. But it was like a Korean, like Mexican food fusion kind of thing going on. Oh, yeah. And it was... It was delicious. It was incredible. Um, I have not been able to find fusion food like that anywhere else. And I've lived in like three major cities since then, like Boston, San Francisco, New York. And I still haven't been able to find Korean Mexican fusion like that. So that food, every single time I see any type of Mexican, like Asian fusion, that's what I'm craving. And then every time I go to like anything like that, it's never the same. It's it's always such a letdown. That's why I don't even bother anymore. Yeah, and I, I don't think they're in business anymore, which is a little sad. But if, nah. if, if someone knows of a Bam Bam food truck or what happened to them, hopefully, uh, maybe they got a restaurant. Along. Maybe they got a restaurant somewhere. Hopefully, I hope so. Uh, I would. I would spend money so that way they could have a restaurant. I yeah. would invest. Yeah. Again, some of the best food I've had. Uh, which brings it up, like, yeah, I think I've had some really great food from food trucks, and it's. Um, I was not a big food truck person. I guess a family wasn't a big food truck person. Person people people person uh <laughs> big food truck people growing up uh because i don't really remember going to food trucks very much as a younger it wasn't until i was into into like college and stuff uh that i actually started going to food trucks and you know it's 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 huge it's kind of crazy how great the food that comes out of them um ends up being um there's like one of the most memorable ones like there's this little town of sonora that i've gone done some theater stuff for and there's like this really good mexican food food truck that's literally just in the side in this like dirt lot I was just like, I want to check this out. And it was like inc- some of the best like Mexican food that I've had. Oh, well, for California standards, but it was really, really good. So, but I think on the flip side of that, the, and we talked about it before. I know like food trucks themselves are like an ambiance in themselves, but sometimes yeah. I want to go to a restaurant and have that ambiance, you know? Yeah. And that's something that I can't get with a food truck. Um, I've had kind of experiences with that where a food truck is parked outside like a beer um, place. Like there's a place called Arizona uh, Tap Room in uh, mm-hmm. Tucson that they have a lot of food trucks that come and you just park in the patio and you can do that. But it's not the food truck experience, right? It's the beer yeah. place experience. So that's that's the only downside, I guess, that I've had from it. So yeah, like I am very pro food truck. I prefer food trucks over restaurants. Yeah. Um, in terms of food. I definitely am with you in terms of like ambiance. Like if I could get food truck food in a restaurant, I would feel really great. But I think, you know, I was thinking about it while you were talking and like when I was trying to figure out what to talk about during the bowl break. And I honestly think it's because one food trucks are more accessible of a like, like outlet for chefs who are like coming out to like create, like it's a little cheaper to own a truck and to kind of specialize in a certain kind of food than it is to like put up a whole like restaurant that is going to have a payment every single month. And right. you have yeah. that like eight employees there, like a host and a host or a hostess stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, Cause most food trucks only have like two or three people max inside of them doing everything. Yeah. Cause right? they can't fit anymore. Yeah. Um, and then another thing I was thinking is I think the food is better because you have to one, they have to sell all of it basically at the end of the day. Yeah. Can't really like store most of it. At least I don't think. And then two, you can't really have so much stuff in there. So like what you make is like the, your best three dishes. Yeah. And, or at least like, it, like I've been more food trucks that have like more than three dishes, but like you really do it's have usually to like not consolidate like a huge your menu. menu, right? You go to yeah, a restaurant exactly. and you're expecting like four or five pages on a menu, right? Like with, Cheesecake Factory yeah, where it's like a Bible. A bit of everything, right? <laughs> but with food trucks, like they do specialize. Like every, that's the cool thing about food trucks is that they do specialize in a certain food. And that's like, you can expect at least five good dishes from that food truck out of that specific food. Yeah. And it's like, I, I guess you are limited to whatever the food truck decides to to cook. But the idea of a, like, when you go to a restaurant, there's so much on the menu and you don't know what's actually good. Yeah. And you like run into people and they're like, I really like this. I really like that. And I have like a special grievance when people are like, oh, you have to have the mac and cheese here. And I'm like, if they're only known for their mac and cheese and they're not a mac and cheese spot, 
then I don't want to hear Probably it. Probably not that good. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like the easiest, to me, it's not like the easiest thing to do, but it's not a hard dish to make taste good. Like, it's like the same thing when people are like, oh, the mozzarella sticks at this place are really good. I was like, it's a fucking mozzarella stick. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, it's breaded cheese. You're not going to go or, wrong Or even that. worse, it's the chicken tenders. The people who only eat chicken oh, tenders yeah. and are like, oh, the chicken tenders at this place are really good. I'm just like, go and die. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> if it's not a place that specializes in chicken tenders, yeah. like Raising Cane's or Stickies in New York or like a place that that's like the main thing on their menu... Don't tell me that the chicken tenders. <laughs> yeah. If it's not a mac and cheese place that only specializes in like some weird mac and cheese, like, oh, this is a lobster mac and cheese. Or I remember I used to do buffalo mac and cheese from the fix all the time in Tucson. Um, like if it doesn't specialize in it, I don't really want to know because if it's not the star, I don't get it. I don't yeah. get why you have it. And like, I feel like food trucks automatically do that. They go like, okay, the, the street noodles sell the best the tacos and then a hot dog or something. And then we have a dessert option and here's your sodas. Yeah. Like those are the max. And because that's the most that that truck can hold, that's what you get. And I don't know. I I like the simplicity of it. Yeah. And maybe it's 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 limiting, but it's good. Yeah. But I mean, that's the experience, right? Like, and that's what it should be is that it's limiting, but you know what you're getting is going to be pretty good. So if you have food trucks in your area, like make sure you're supporting them. I think, I don't know. How much food trucks are doing right now <laughs> with COVID yeah. and everything, but hopefully they're like get, finding some business. Oh yeah, I've definitely been giving some food trucks love in our area. Like the problem is, is I'm not a huge fan of like halal food. That's all. There's like, a lot in our area. That's a different like food trucks and food carts feel different to me though. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's and I I don't know how I feel about food carts because I'm like yeah. halal food. I, I love like I, don't don't get me wrong. I love lamb over rice. It's good, yeah. but. Uh, it's all kind of the same to me, you know? So Yeah. I don't feel like it feels more like the chain restaurant of like food trucks yeah. is, the, is the food cart. Yeah. And no offense to the food cart people. You are, you are much loved and much appreciated, but it's one of those things like a food truck feels, again, it's special. Act two, the battle of bikini bottom. SpongeBob and Patrick are at the mall trying on best friend shirts, and uh, things kind of go awry when they realize that the arrows are pointing in the wrong directions. Uh, so they kind of get they freak out and they get kicked out of the mall, and they get in a, um, stumbling upon a historical battle recreation site with a bunch of people getting ready to recreate the famous Battle of Bikini Bottom. Um, and SpongeBob doesn't know what it is, so Patrick jumps in with his version of what it was. Um, explaining that people that wash their hands, the softies, as he calls them, versus the people who had more important things to do with their time, aka people who refused to wash their hands. Uh, so this leads into a huge, basically a 10-minute battle, is all this episode is, is a 10-minute battle between SpongeBob wanting to be clean and Patrick wanting to be dirty and them trying to get each other dirty and gross um, or clean. And at the end, they end up succeeding and SpongeBob's covered in filth and uh Patrick ends up squeaky king clean and it turns out it's exactly what they wanted all along because it allows them to either clean or get themselves more filthy again a very straightforward episode considering again it was like 10 minutes of them just fighting in different ways mm-hmm. um but Omar I wanted to ask if we were to have a battle of this magnitude what do you think it would be about I have something specific in mind but I wanted to see if you had something Oh no, now I'm trying to figure out what you specifically have in mind. I don't know. There's a lot of things we fight about, Josh. They're all very the time. very minimal <laughs> and not very important at all, but we fight about them. I'm I'm now I just want to know what you what you would We haven't do. fought about this in a while. It was a big thing back in college. <clears throat> but for those of you who don't know, and this is a uh, graphic warning for everyone out there. Omar is a f-ing psychopath and will bathe his French fries in ketchup. Oh yeah, in <laughs> ketchup like a normal human being that everyone else is. <laughs> but <laughs> that is the one thing that I think you probably fight about the most out of everything I can think of. I won't say much about it because I don't want this entire act to be us arguing about French fries, whether they should have ketchup drizzled over them or ketchup dipped in. Mm. It, mm-hmm. I've. I'm doing it less and less, and here I'm gonna tell you the reason why. <laughs> All right, I'm excited. I didn't, I didn't know this. Reform take, man. Takeout and fast food in New York is not the same quality as in a smaller town. I feel like a lot of fast food places cut corners. 
like McDonald's French fries don't feel as fresh. They're not as salty. Or like bodega fries here are soggy. Is yeah. Or yeah, you get something like uh, you, like in transport they get soggy. Things yeah. like that. Uh, I just it's not not the same as like picking it up in your car and eating it fresh out the bag. Yeah. Or getting it home the way you intended, right? Um, but because the fries are so soggy slash they are like the like sometimes the portions are so big i don't put ketchup all over the whole thing because then when i put them in as leftovers they don't hold because they have they're covered in ketchup Mm -hmm. and then two um they're just usually not worth it because like there's a specific kind of fry you need to do that but i do prefer drizzling ketchup and a nice like even like tiger stripe fashion psychopath over my french fries psychopath and a lot of people argue that it's messier but i think it's the perfect amount of ketchup per fry and if you're careful and you eat fries not like an heathen then you look they taste fine but isn't that the point of messy (laughs) we're gonna gonna start fighting that's what this is good isn't isn't the point of dipping your fries though to get the exact amount that you want no, because I find one, it's hard to judge, and these are my arguments against dipping. Again, I'm not going to go too hard. Mm-hmm. One, you, if you pour out an amount of ketchup, you don't know how many fries you can have with that ketchup, with the ideal amount. Why right? don't you just get more ketchup? But sometimes you're not, you don't have that luxury, right? You don't have, you don't have more ketchup packets. You're at the last of the bottle in the fridge. That's just that's my thought process on that one. Second, when you dip the fry into the ketchup. Like the whole like nub or like area gets covered in ketchup. But when you drizzle, it's like, let's say like if we're doing percentages, like 30% of the fry has ketchup. Yeah. And it's at like a a distinct area on the ketchup, like on the fry. So you take a bite, you have more fry and a little bit of ketchup. You take another bite and it's a little bit of ketchup with the fry. It's a more, it's a more equal ratio in my uh, opinion. That's that's the last I'm going to say on it. One last question, though. So is it just fries? I know we probably talked about this before, but is it just fries? But if you had the opportunity to like, what about nuggets? Would you just dump all the sauce on your nuggets or do you dip your nuggets? I would dip my nuggets, but that's usually because I have a lot. I like a lot more sauce on my nugget. So it's okay. So for you, it's just a whole quantity thing. It's like quantity, ver- like it's the quantity of the thing I'm eating ratio, to the sauce. Ratio of fries. Same thing like, okay, I do the same up. thing with pizza, right? So yeah. like I put, I'm one of those weirdos who puts ranch on their pizza. I know some people think it sucks, but I like it when the ranch is drizzled over the pizza, mm. not dipping Dip. into the okay. pizza. So like that's for me, sometimes I'll find common ground with fry dippers on that end. Okay. Okay. But anyways, I want to talk <laughs> about these- I want to talk about them being at the mall. Right. So they're at the mall. Yeah. They're looking at these best friend shirts. Classic little, like, the arrow's pointing at the wrong person conundrum. I like that. Two fishes, two female fishes come out. Assuming one works at the store, she's wearing a bikini. Big old circles on her chest. Flat. Flat chested. Then another one, bikini as well. Flat chested. No circles. Just a like a tube top. I just, that's the more stereotypical style for SpongeBob. And it just, it really threw me off in act one. Listen, I, I, I know I, we're spending I'm too much time talking about French fries that, that and boobs. This, the more and more we talk about it, I'm thinking that this fish got like, she got some fake boobs. She got some plastic surgery. Like this guy is a con, the con man guy. The con man guy has like a, like a wife with fake boobs. Listen, that, like that tracks. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Right. I mean, he is a con <laughs> man. We know from the chocolate episode, this dude makes money off of people. He has plenty of money. So why don't he just like maybe treat his wife, treat himself, you know, get <laughs> those fake boobs. So I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. But again, just in the same episode, completely fish is drawn, completely different in like different styles, I would say. Yeah. Um, like one is like an, like an anime, <laughs> like it's just the like animators are like seeing how much they can push it. Maybe this like busty fish is gonna show up more and more as we go on. We're almost at the end of season five, so maybe season six, we're starting to get some more busty fish out there. I'm gonna start paying attention to it. Yeah, like, I'm. I try. I'll try not to obsess over it, but I'm gonna start paying attention to it. Another thing to I'm gonna our, start paying attention. Uh, is a podcast where we talk about fish tits the entire time. <laughs> Animated fish. Tits. Yeah. Um. 
the another thing that I want to bring up is colonialism in Bikini Bottom is another thing I'm gonna start looking out for because we had like the whole like uh Paul Patrick Revere. Re- yeah. yeah Patrick Revere or whatever um but another like we're gonna reenact this battle like this very like uh again war between who right and then the guy says the guy who like actually does the reenactments is all like oh that's not what the battle is about but then by the end of the episode they're like well then who wins the war yeah I, I wanted to know. I was waiting the entire episode for that guy or one of them to be like, oh, actually it was about this because I kind of am curious, right? We're getting yeah. all this kind of like weird lore and history thrown in about Bikini Bottom and it's it's not really explored at all, you know? I think I think it's worth, for, at least for my head's sake, to know like what's going on. <laughs> yeah, so. Is there's like a manifest destiny going on, some like uh, westward expansion. What's going on? Exactly. Like, was there a Boston Tea Party? Like, <laughs> drop I want to know that stuff. That's what I want to know. Yeah. What do you think about historical battle recreation in the first place? I don't like it. I don't. Get I only it. don't. I don't, I don't like it. it. I get it because it's like a bunch of people. It's role playing, right? It's D and D on the battlefield. It's LARPing. That's it's I all nerd. So, but that's how I see. But it. why? But I don't like it because these historical battles aren't like. You're raised to think like, oh, these historical battles are like us fighting for our independence and whatever. But most of the time, reenactments are like civil war and it's, uh, you know, the North versus the South. And who the f- wants to play as the South is a f- Confederate who won or traitors to the United States. So even if you are like pro US, they're technically traitors. Sorry, you're a bunch of losers to racists yeah. and, sl- and slaveholders. So, like, I don't get it. Like, real wars are fought for, like, ideals that are, like, really, 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 really bad. But So, it's like, why do I want to recreate, like, fucking Nam or some Right. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's just, like, you're playing. One of them has to play a losing side, right? And, I mean, they're choosing to play these, like, the actual losers, right? And I just, I guess that's the part I don't understand is just, like. Because they're racist. They're secret racist. Yeah, and they're, that's like, yeah, I, I want to play out my fantasy of getting killed for dying for this purpose. I guess yeah, that's. Yeah, I've it. only met one, one person who does it, and that person was a fucking racist. Mm. So, uh, and he wasn't outright about it, but it was on a film set, and. He felt like a racist and he acted like one. So that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think reenactments, like I do see like maybe from like a teaching perspective, like how you could learn more by being like, oh, you're on XYZ side and this is how they used to live. And like, kind of like how I feel like all Tucson and all of them do like, we're like, this is how the old West was. Yeah. Like it's an idealized version that people like to sell that's how i see reenactments and yes there's probably historical merit uh an educational merit but like to me i don't i, I just I think don't it's just, yeah it sounds like a waste of time yeah <laughs> it's not like a movie to entertain i it, it, like who does it entertain yeah. not other people it's like yourself listen there's not a lot there's a lot of stuff i hope comes back after covid and i hope that's one of the things that actually just end up dying out but i guess we'll see um yeah who do you think uh are you on Patrick's side during all this, though, or are you on SpongeBob's side? About the oh, whole come washing? on. I'm not on Patrick's you side. You sure about that? That is so gross. <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> there are some things that Patrick does where I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, like, but mm. I have to do. I have to say, though, in Patrick's defense, this whole battle that we see for the entire episode, Patrick's stuff, I think, was more was smarter and more planned out as far as, like, superpowers or, like, gro- like whatever <laughs> goes, right? Like, yeah. I thought it was a lot, like, more engaging than, like, Spongebob's, like, I'll just become a soap, baby, basically use bubble beam and, like, all this, or I'll brush your teeth. <laughs> like, Patrick's yeah. arm hair actually came alive, or armpit hair came alive and, like, wrapped around Spongebob and shit like that. So. It's because being clean and normal isn't sexy in terms of, like, fun, right? Being clean is, like, boring. Mm. That's why <laughs> all these people don't wear their masks during COVID. Like, being like nice and neat and healthy is boring. It's always been labeled as boring. Being reckless and gross is what's hot and sexy, apparently. I guess so. I don't know. Is, is uh, Bo that big? Like, I guess. I guess there's a thing. That's a thing. And that, that was the small lessons I got. Is like, not everyone uses deodorant, so you got you can't like be constantly judgmental because there are people who use like natural stuff, right? And yeah. it doesn't work as well. But and the flip side of that, I was like, hygiene is important. So like, if you stink, like. 
Someone yeah. should like I, I what I don't understand in this whole episode is that it took like Patrick saying this for SpongeBob to realize that Patrick doesn't wash his hands. Like you're telling me that he's eating ice cream off his hands, he can't see all that gross junk on him, or he's like taking the <laughs> off his tongue and he doesn't see that. Like I think you need to be aware of like your own sanity or sanitary like hygiene and stuff like that and how it affects other people. Exactly. I also put uh for a small lesson was wash your hands and there's a lot of ways to take care of your hygiene because SpongeBob gets very creative on how he like tries to clean people. Um another thing I actually got from the reenactments was find something you like so much that you would do it with someone you hate. Mm, that's good. <laughs> I think that's actually I think that's like a, actually a great small lesson from yeah. this act. Um it's because like I do think that's a sign because there were there are times where I've done hobbies and um, I'll say D and D where I've played a couple times D and D with people I don't really enjoy. So it's because I like playing D and D. I yeah. like being like creative and stuff like that. So um, I I used to do it like I feel like we used to do it all the time in like school. Like sometimes you you play Pokemon cards with someone who's like. Or you trade Pokemon with someone who like isn't really like your friend, but you can bond over this one thing. Um, and I think it's good to search for stuff like that. So to like a bonus, like small lesson was like search for stuff that you enjoy with people that you enjoy as well. Yeah. Like on the flip side, like there's a world where like you like something so much you'll do it even if the people around you suck. And then there's something where it the joy of like doing something you love. And having people that you enjoy around. And I feel like that's where like we as a society get really hyped about stuff. Like people get hyped when Imagineers make stuff at Disney because it's a bunch of like nerds that specifically like doing stuff at Disney and then making that a reality for everyone. Yeah. Or like director and cinematographer groups and like uh, you know, writer, director kind of situations, actors that like when Wes Anderson picks the same actors for every other thing. Like stuff like that. People love that because what's actually happening is like people are finding other friends that mesh and they all like the same. Yeah. And then they make it. Yeah, that's the point of like hobbies and clubs and stuff. I think, mm -hmm. I mean, for me, like finding stuff in like high school, there was like, you know, finding clubs in high school is like a big thing. And I, for me, like stage crew, I guess wasn't really, it was a club, but it wasn't like felt like more than that. But yeah. like for me, it did like, it did, make me easier to find people that I wouldn't have talked to and some of those people became like one of my best some of my best best friends and stuff like that you know it's just interesting when you find something that you enjoy and then you uh, you connect with other people because of that and then it just kind of breaks down those walls of like oh this person might be popular or they might be on other social circles but because we bond over this one thing it's probably we're probably more relatable in more than one way like we can be bond on other stuff too yeah like I honestly see it like what I think is really interesting is like people of color, mm -hmm. um, like specifically like black people who really like anime. Yeah. And like, you know, anime is like traditionally like, well, it's Japanese, but like the traditional weeb when everyone's like stereotyping weebs, they're like, it's like a big white, like fat cis, uh, like het male, like chilling at home. And which like when people stereotype black people, it's always like sport <laughs> like that. So like, I don't know, finding like groups like that, that like, it really can cross those divides that of like the stereotypes. Yeah. Which I like a lot. I think, I think we're going into a, a wave of that. Those like stereotypes changing a lot. And I, I think a lot mm -hmm. of that has to do with the internet and especially TikTok. Like yeah. a lot of what I see is just pe a lot of people of different like ethnicities, social groups like that bonding over the same kind of things on TikTok. And it's kind of interesting to see like, like you're talking about anime, like there are a lot of, anime stuff on tiktok but it's a whole different kind of it's people you mm -hmm. wouldn't even think that would like anime right that's the kind of thing i think we're going as a society we're moving towards like away from those social like you got to be popular to like these things or whatever and we're getting more accepting which is nice to see which is kind of like spongebob's whole lesson at the end of this right embrace the yeah. things and that draws us together like everything has a balance and all that stuff right yeah exactly and i do not want to finish this act without talking about what the fuck is wrong with Patrick's feet? And why does he have one fingernail or toenail, I guess, on his foot? It's like a weird, like, 
giant finger. I was like, he's basically shaped like a thumb thumb, <laughs> and it grossed me out. It's, it's like when you see those things where people like a fingernail, a fake fingernail on like a hot dog. That's what it reminded me of. Was oh like yeah, that. it was so. A lot gross. of a lot of the close-ups for Patrick in this were pretty disgusting. His teeth, his hands, even when they like he takes off his like coat and his like his entire chest is covered in disgusting like muck and whatever. I'm just like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's it was rough. Yeah. I just did not want us to like finish this off without talking about that nasty that nasty foot. boy. <laughs> Time for the wombo lesson of the week. Week, 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 week. Wombo lesson. The week. <laughs> All right. Uh I'll go first. Why not? Yeah. Um, so my Wumbo lesson this week was try and find value in the perspective of others. Um, and the first one, uh, first part, I got that specifically because of the Squidward Mr. Krabs moment. I think Mr. Nice. Squidward had a very good idea with like bringing the customer or bringing the food to the customers because, you know, uh they weren't showing up, so why not do it? And, you know, food trucks, again, we talked about food trucks are a good idea. And I think it'd be kind of cool to see some more chain, not chain restaurants, but bigger restaurants maybe trying to do food trucks, make it more accessible to people who, you know, can't travel as much or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I think even though Mr. Krabs stole the idea, there was a lot of value in uh, Squidward's idea. And then the second part, I think the fact, just the fact that, like, it took spongebob getting nasty and patrick getting clean to actually see like the perspective of, like you need the opposite thing in order to enjoy the thing you have right you can't have the classic like you have light without the darkness you can't have sweet without salty right all that like dude or like the what is it called the you can't have a, a rainbow without a little rain there you go <laughs> a little rain <laughs> that's the thing it's just like you got to appreciate the perspective of others to find like in value and the stuff that you kind of enjoy too you know and I guess that's kind of the whole idea of our podcast sometimes is it's like our perspective and I'm hoping people find value in like what we see and the stuff that we do, you know, and you just do that in day to day. Like the other day, I just I texted Omar asking perspective on something I was working on just because like it's always good to have like a second opinion about something. Right. Yeah. And I was like, this sucks. Yeah. He literally threw up on the moment. So I knew right yeah. away that was good. <laughs> We we weren't in the same room. I just sent him a picture of the vomit. On the vomit, you're like, this is what I think. You're like, oh, that's really nice. Thank you. <laughs> These are my thoughts. These are my notes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like it. I do I do like my mom is very much like this. She's a little bit uh centrist, I feel a lot of times. But she's always like, You gotta put your yourself in other people's shoes in a very classic way. And she's painstakingly good at it and sometimes to a fault. Sometimes I'm like, Oh god, like please please can you just like take someone's side for once yeah <laughs> um but it's it is one of those things like it is nice to get someone's perspective and maybe not internalize it if you don't want it but like at least understand it and then that can help you shape your own like, yeah thing again know? again it's just just like I think all everyone's perspective, even if it's bad perspective, because you know I've gotten advice from people that's bad, really bad before. But there is value, you know, there is value in what someone has to like. It like again, their perspective might be bad, might be good, but it's up to you to kind of take that value and decide how you're going to do what you're going to do with it. So yeah, that and coming from like a film program that like literally everyone in the entire class would critique us. It's like even really bad perspectives, like in ideals, you can learn and you can be like this sucks i'm never going in that direction yeah like um i never want to come across it being like oh yeah like this person's immoral or racist or anything like that so you have to like walk a mile in their shoes it's like no learn their playbook and then do the exact opposite right um but yeah um what i have for my wumba lesson was creatively use the resources you have to succeed or win um, I really do think that in the first act, they do their best to sell what they can. Yeah. Um, they didn't start off too, too hot because they paid someone to take the patties, but in theory they paid out of their own pockets and not out of Mr. Krabs's. So Mr. Krabs made the money and then they got in a kind of like a bind with the monster not having enough food and they used Plankton's chum. It was literally raining from the sky <laughs> and they're like, we're going to make this happen. Yeah. Um, and then in the second act, it was a lot, lot more straightforward in terms of war. 
Uh, I think Patrick kind of did it the best. He literally had a brain cannonball at one moment. Uh, <laughs> and he just, uh, SpongeBob also had like his really nice, like, grenade eyeballs. Yeah. He just, they're both used everything they had to get what they want. And I think that's, there's a lot of times where when you're starting a new project or you're doing different things, like, you really need to, like, look at what resources you do have and then make the best of those. I know that I have a lot of, like friends are like, oh, I want to start this creative project and like short films a lot all the time. I would tell like my friends like, instead of concentrating on what equipment you wish you had and rented, why don't you just look at the actual that you have access to and then work within those confines. And like sometimes we've talked about it on the podcast before, working within a limitation kind of helps. Yeah, and I think like when you are using your resources creatively, like it helps. Maybe it comes from like my troubleshooting part of my brain that actually does things i think but even outside of work or projects you know i I, what i do the most of that specific like um using your resources is when i try to cook when i don't want to go to the store Mm -hmm. or i know that i'm trying to like specifically stop myself from trying to spend money i'm like all right break down what ingredients you have in your cabinet that you're not really using or in your fridge and then Mm -hmm. work backwards from there to be like all right i could put this and this together to make this you know and i think a lot of time I see a lot of people food waste because they don't do stuff like that. You know, I mean, a lot of stuff goes to waste in their fridge or their cabinets. And I mean, I'm not saying that I don't do that. A lot of vegetables go to waste in my fridge too, but yeah. it's the thing. It's like, you kind of like take stock of what you have, you know, when you're trying to think of a meal and throw something together, you know, it's, it's that, I think that's a very useful skill to have, you know, that was definitely me this fall with the food chair. Yeah. I did not know how many different types of pesto you could make. Yeah. Like you can make pesto out of carrot tops, parsley, the very traditional basil, like different seeds you can use instead of pine nuts. Or how many different it, uses for apples there are? Oh God, too many uses for apples. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fatima was like, "Hey, do can we get some apples?" Like, and I was like, "Really? You want apples after the fall that we had? Yeah, we had no, literally I, like we were drowning in I'm apples. I'm good on apples for a long time. So yeah, for a whole year, I'm gonna wait <laughs> for apples." But yeah, I I really do think that even with how roller coastery this episode was, and like how out of character the act one was, and just random act two was, got some solid Wumbo lessons yeah. out of it. We we squeezed them right Just-juiced out, juiced them right out. <laughs> and for that, I want to thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to send us anything, suggestions, comments, derogatory remarks, please reach out to us on ismazepodcast.com or email us at ismazepodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to share with your friends and your enemies. Well, that was a good podcast, Josh. Yeah. Uh, time to, to get up and go to bed. All right. Well, have a good night. Have a good night. Wait, watch out. Oh, uh, it landed on my pain center.